discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. He reigns. And we reign with him. As you sing these songs concerning how great our God is, it just brings thoughts of how good He has been to us and how loving He has been to us. He's not reigning alone, He's reigning with us. We reign with Him. Hallelujah. So as we sing to Him, it brings us thoughts concerning what He has done for us in Christ. Hallelujah. Wow. I'm so sharing concerning the leader's authority. There's a third message on this glorious subject. I know that you'll be blessed. I'm going to share in some few minutes. And I know that it will help you. Hallelujah. He reigns and we reign with him. If you read in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, let's look at it. 1 John 4, 17. I have so many things to share with you today. It says, Hearing is our love made perfect. In this is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness. We may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know, we may have boldness. The word boldness is paresia. It means confidence in speech. Confidence in, in utterance. It says, herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. In the day of crisis. You know, we're in a crisis time. And some people are afraid. But in this is the love of God made perfect in us. So that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, in the day of crisis. Then it says, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, as he is, as Christ is in his victory, as Christ is in his reign, as Christ is in his exaltation, so are we now in this world. Hallelujah. You know, we are, we are just like him. When he died, we died with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When he went to hell, we went to hell with him. When he was raised from the, from the dead, when he was made alive in hell, we were made alive with him. When he was raised from the dead, we were raised together with him. When he ascended to the heavens, we ascended together with him. When he sat down on the right hand of the throne of majesty on high, we sat down with him. The Bible says that we are seated together in heavenly places. With Christ Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is now. As he is now, so are we in this world. Why? Because we are his body. He's the head and we are his body. And on Sunday I'll share some of these things with you. If you read in Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, our, of, and of Jesus our Lord. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied. Unto you. Grace is multiplied. Grace can be multiplied. You can grow in grace. 
He says, grace be multiplied unto you and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ. Then verse 3 says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertains to life and godliness. Hallelujah. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's giving us all things that pertain to life. And godliness. You know, believers, are, the, the title of the message is the believer's authority. A believer is a haver. Believers are havers. We have, we have some, we are possessors. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Have you believed in him? He says you will never perish. Then he says, but should have. When you believe, you have something but should have eternal life. You become a possessor immediately you believe. So a Christian is a possessor. So in this place, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, according as God's divine power has given unto us. He didn't say he's going to give to us. He says he has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that you need for your life. All things that you need to live the good life that God has destined for you to live has been given to you. It's all in your spirit. It's all inside you. The Bible says that, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And it says, and you are complete in him. That is in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. You know, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Then it says, and you are complete in him. Which is the head. <laughs> he is the head of all principality and power. He's the head of all principality and power. There's no doubt about it. He's the head. He owns all of them. And we share in his headship. We share in his headship because we are his body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, and all these things come through the knowledge of God's word. So back to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. It says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Then it says, through the knowledge you will get to know through the knowledge. You get to know these things and experience these things for yourself through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. The more you know of him, the more of his word you get to know, the more you partake in all that he has given to you through his death, burial, and resurrection. You see, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge, you participate in it through the knowledge of him. That has called us to glory and virtue. That is why you need God's word at all times. You don't need news at all times. You don't need people at all times. You need God's word at all times. It's a need. It's a need. You know, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says that being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God that lives and abides forever. We are born of the word. If you're a child of God, you are born of the word. And if you are born of the word, you can only exist by the word. Nothing else will work for you as a child of God. Only the word of God can work for you. Your success in life is not dependent on who is around you or who is not around you. Or which country you live in. Your success in life is dependent on the revelation of God's word that you have. A revelation of what you are. He says we are born of the word. Being born again, not a corruptible seed but of incorruptible, by the word of God that lives and abides forever. We have been born, we were offered by the word, and our growth and life is dependent on the word of God. 
you see, is dependent on the word of God. We've been born by the word, and we'll only make advancements in life by the word. So the more of the word of God you know, the more of God's, God's dealings in Christ you get to know, the more you enjoy the life that he has destined for you. You see, go back to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, according as divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Next verse, verse 4. It's very powerful. Then it says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. They are given unto us exceeding great. Exceeding great and precious promises. I mean, look at what we are talking about now. It's an exceeding great promise or an exceeding great gift that God has given to us. The fact that we have authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto Jesus Christ. And he has given unto us that authority. He has delegated that authority to you and I. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Then it says that by these, by these promises, by your knowledge concerning these promises, by your, your, the revelation of these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. By these promises, you might be a partaker of the divine nature. The Bible says that, as again, so are we now in this world. But the more you get to know, the more that reality comes to you, the more you partake in that reality. The more, you, the more knowledge you have concerning that, the more you partake of the divine nature. You see that the divine life of God is working in you, working and in your, your results are not human. Your results are not human. Your results are not like any other person's. It's different. You are not like any other person. What kills them will not kill you. What brings others down will not bring you down. What puts others, others to shame will not put you to shame. You will go through something, but then you come out strong. You know, the Bible says that whosoever hears his words and, and does them is like a man who built his house upon a rock. And he says that the winds came, the floods came. You know, all that the rains came and beat on that house. These are things that happen to everybody in life. There are things that have people fall sick, people get all kinds of things, get into trouble with money, get into trouble with the government, get into trouble with various things. People have, people have trouble. Troubles come. Life is not straight like that. You have to make it straight. No matter what's going on, you make it straight. He says that the one who's the doer of the word will have all these things happen, but then his, his house will not fall. Why? Because he's built his house upon the rock. Who is the rock? Christ is the rock. Jesus is the rock. Do you see? So knowledge of him puts, gives you a strong foundation in life so that no matter what happens around you, you'll be a partaker of the divine nature. Your results will be different. You'll, have, you'll be fruitful in the time of dryness. Yeah. When everybody's crying, you will not cry. Why? Because your, 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 your foundation is built strong on Christ. As it is, so are we now in this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And like I said, it all comes through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whereby given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these, by these promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature. The more you know, the more you partake. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The more you partake in the divine nature, the more you escape the corruption that is in this world. Wow. wow. I'm different. I'm different. Say to yourself wherever you are, I'm different. I'm, different. I'm not like every other person. I'm, like other I'm special. I'm seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm different. I'm special. You know, some people say that, oh, you know, we are not special. It's not true. We are special. We are special. We are special. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at Second Peter chapter three verse eighteen. You know, if you read the whole of Second Peter, you see how Peter was talking about various things that were going to happen in the world. You know, some of these things that we are seeing today, and other things, how the world will be destroyed, and all of those. So many interesting things about the world. But then the final instruction it gives after saying all these things was that, but grow in grace. He wants you to grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. He says, no matter what you hear, no matter the news you hear around, no matter what you hear around, your job is to grow in grace. Now, how do you grow in grace? Second Peter 1, 2. Let me show you how to grow in grace. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace, you grow in grace through the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God, you see, humility is receiving the knowledge of God. That is humility. Humility is bringing your ear to God, paying attention to God and his word. Pride is going against God's word, resisting the word of God. True humility is in listening to the word of God and making changes as the word of God is spoken to you. That is humility. So Peter says that, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then in the other place in Second Second Peter, same guy writing Second Peter three eight, same book actually. You know because he had written the, the the first one, he could say this to them. But growing grace, Second Peter three eighteen. But growing grace, then he says, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. So in in natural words. What he's saying is that but grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And grow in knowledge in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's saying it twice. Same thing twice. In one sentence. But grow, so grow in grace, I've showed you, grow in grace by having the knowledge of God coming to you. Do you see? 2 Peter 1, 2. Then 2 Peter 3, 8. He says that but grow in grace. How do you grow in grace? By growing in the knowledge of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ. So he says, he's saying it twice to you in one sentence. But grow in grace or grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah. Meaning that knowledge, the knowledge of God's word is so important. It's everything. It makes all the difference. Why are Christians suffering all around the world? There are a lot of Christians who are suffering. It's because they don't know. A lot of Christians have seen these things that I'm telling you, but not, they don't take them seriously. They think that it's just one of those things. Nothing good can happen in your life if you take God's word as a normal thing. Oh, it's just one of those things. It's not just one of those things. This is God's word written to you with your name in there. The earlier you start taking it seriously, the better it will be for you. The earlier you start believing in God's word, the better it will be for you. Don't be a child of God who is not into believing the word. You just hear. He says the hearer deceives his own self. That's what James said. Do you see? So you, you shouldn't be just a hearer. You should be a doer. One who believes. One who believes. Hallelujah. The more you believe, the more you see, and the more you experience. So don't just hear it. Maybe you've heard these things before. You've read books that said these things, you know, but it's left your mind for a very long time. God is bringing these things back to you, letting you know that it is very important that you believe in it. These are things that you should, your life should revolve around. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As he is, so am I in this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Christ's exaltation, we were also exalted. When Christ was exalted, we were also exalted. I showed you a lot of these things the last time. If you read in Ephesians chapter 2, let's read, let's read what we read from verse 4. Ephesians 2, 4. 
On Sunday, I shared a lot about these things. So I will not spend so much time on this. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. All these things was because of God's love for us. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us or made us alive. He has made us. He's not going to make us. He has made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together in Christ. How did he make Christ alive? Through the operation of his power. Do you see? His mightiest power. He made him alive in hell. And then he says, by grace are you saved. Verse 6. Look at verse 6. And has raised us up together. So he made him alive in hell and raised him up from hell. He raised him up from the dead. And he raised us up together with him. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He enthroned him. And we are enthroned with Christ. Yeah, we are sitting on the throne of God. That is who we are. We are not ordinary. See, I'm not ordinary. Everything around you may tell you you are ordinary. Your home may tell you you are ordinary. Your experiences may tell you you are ordinary. Your bank account may tell you you are ordinary. But let God be true and all men be liars. Believe in God's word. Don't, don't, just, don't say seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. Don't wait till you see some things before you start believing. Believe God's word. Then you start seeing some things. Jesus told Thomas, because you have seen, you believe. Blessed are they who have not seen, yet believe. So the fact that you have not seen and believe is your blessing. Wow. You are blessed I'm just blessed. because you've not seen, but then you believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we, he, he enthroned us. The Waymore translation says that he enthroned us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are enthroned with Christ. So your, your location is in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Stop singing unnecessary songs. There's a song, there's a very popular song, very blessed their hearts, very light, nice song, but then scripturally speaking, it's not right. We are marching to Zion, Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We are marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. When are we going to get there? <laughs> Hebrew chapter 12 verse 32 is a direct opposite of that particular song. Let God be true and let all men be liars. Probably the guy didn't see it well. We have to rephrase it. He says, but you are coming to Mount Zion. Did he say you are going to get there? He says you have come. We are born in Mount Zion. We are not marching to Zion. We arrived in Zion the day we got born again. But you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and into an innumerable company of angels. Next verse. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Next verse. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. He says, We have come unto Mount Zion. We are not going there. We have come. So the earlier you start putting things right in your mind, the better for you. You start enjoying what you're supposed to enjoy if you start thinking the way you're supposed to think. Right thinking leads to right believing and hence leads to right results. You see. Some of the songs we sing rob us of faith, rob us of, of the victory that God has given to us, rob us of all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And we sing it happily, not thinking about what we are singing. You see. Not thinking about what we are singing. Think about what you sing very carefully. Check songs to, to see if it is in line with God's word. Check it. 
There are songs that rob you completely of faith. We are enthroned with him. We are seated together with him in heavenly places. That is, that is it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a song says, that sings, We reign, we reign, we reign, we are complete in him. By his spirit we reign, by his anointing we reign. That's a good song. For his glory we reign. We are complete. I am complete in him. You are complete. We are complete in him. We are complete. Yeah, that's scripture. <laughs> I want to be robbed. You, you will not understand why your life is oscillatory in nature. Today you are high. Tomorrow you are low. The next day you are high. The following day you are low. It's because of the things you have been saying unconsciously. You are confusing your spirit. You are confusing yourself. You are confusing your heart. What are you? What are you really saying? Are you saying this or you are saying that? What are you really saying? You have to be careful of what you are saying. It's very important. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 17. We reign with him. Say we reign with him. I reign with him. I am a joint heir with Christ. Romans eight seventeen says, And if children, then heirs. If children, then heirs. Let's read from a 16. I think it would be nicer from a 16. The Spirit Himself, this is Old King James, so it will say itself. You know, the Spirit Himself, because the Spirit is a person, the Holy Spirit is a person, the Spirit Himself witness, beareth witness with our Spirit that we are the children of God, not we are going to be children of God. He bears witness, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our, our Spirit that we are the children of God. First John 3 1. Behold, what man of love the Father has lavished, bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. You see, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because he knew him not. Then the next verse says, Now are we the sons of God. That's, that's a very good scripture. Now. He, 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 he starts by saying, Now. Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Not tomorrow. Not three days from now. Not when you feel like it. Not when you think it is true. Now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Says the Spirit Himself bears witness. Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit Himself bears witness of that Spirit that we are the children of God. Then verse seventeen says, "And if children, if you are a child of God, are you a child of God? Are you a child of God? What makes you a child of God? The fact that you have believed." John chapter one verse eleven. He says that He came unto His own, but His own received Him not. But as many, are you part of the many? Says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power, he gave them the authority to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Have you believed on his name? If you believed on his name, if you believed in his name, you are now a child of God. If you have received him, you are now a child of God. He says, now are we the sons of God. Not tomorrow, not three days from now. Now are we the sons of God. It's today. You are a child of God today. Don't say, oh, because I'm a lady. He says son, so I'm not part. No, you are part. This is a generic name. It's a generic reference. You are daughter of God. Now are we daughters of God. Yeah. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. If you received him, you have him. He, he, you, are, you are a child of God now. The witness is inside you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, what a blessing. Wow, what, a blessing. What, a blessing. what a blessing. So back to Romans chapter 8, verse 17. It says that, and if children... And if children, are you a child of God? Yeah. Ask on you, but are you a child of God? Child of you can ask yourself if you are there alone. Are you a child of God? Ask yourself, am I a child of God? 
and reply, yes, I'm a child of God. <laughs> and if children, then heirs. He's not talking about her. Heirs. Inheritor, an inheritor, someone who has inherited something. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God, not heirs of your father's property. Or heirs of your rich uncle's property. Or heirs of uh, uh, Donald Trump's property. No! There's something better than all these things. He says, heirs of God. We are now heirs of God. Let God be true and all men be liars. Let the word of God be true in your life. He says, you are, an heir. are you a child of God? He says, if you're a child of God, then you're an heir of God. And joint heirs. We are joint heirs, not co-heirs. Joint heirs mean that we, are, we have access to all the inheritance that Christ has. 100%. Joint heirs together with Christ. Hallelujah. Joint heirs. All things are mine. Joint heirs. We are, we are joint heirs with Christ. We are not going to be. We are now. Hallelujah. We are so identified with him. And he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Joint heirs together with Christ. These things. Sometimes you wonder why these things are not being said by every preacher. You know, you just wonder. You just wonder what preachers are preaching. Do you see? You just wonder. But the devil, the devil wants to distract everybody. Take our minds off the reality. We take our minds onto something that you can't even understand. There are a lot of churches who are fighting, fighting the devil, struggling to get by. A lot of God's children struggling to get by when they are supposed to be resting. When they are supposed to be resting. Resting in Christ. Resting in what God has done. Wow. Joint S. Joint S. Galatians 4 7. Look at Galatians 4 7. We are joint S together with Him. Galatians 4 7. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. Then it says, And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Are you a son? Yeah. Are you a daughter? Yeah. He says, If you are a son or a daughter, then you are an heir of God through Christ. We are heirs of God. So we are seated together. All these things are just showing us that particular scripture, explaining that particular scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, which says that he raised us up together with him and made us sit together in heavenly places. We are seated together in heavenly places. We are joint heirs. We are joint heirs. We are seated together. We are seated together. You see. So in Colossians 31, he says something remarkable there. He says that if it is true that you are risen with Christ, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Where Christ is seated. We, if you really agree that he we rose from the dead together with him, then you should agree that we are seated together with him. And there are great things that come with his sitting. You see, he says, if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. We are seated together with him on the right hand. What are the things that that particular sitting brings to us? One of them, one of the major things is the authority that it comes with. And that's the subject we are talking about now. That's the subject we are talking about. He says, seek those things. Seek to understand those things. Seek to make those things. Let's read the Amplified. The Amplified is nice. Colossians 31. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, that's sharing his resurrection from the dead. 
He says, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures. Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures. That above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. They are rich eternal treasures. One of them is what I'm talking to you about. Authority. Authority. We have authority in Christ. That's the truth. All that Christ had, he wielded back to us. So we reign with him. That's the truth. Every child of God reigns with him. So it's not just God who reigns. God reigns. It's true. We reign with him. God reigns as half truth. We reign with him as full truth. God reigns and we reign with him. That's full truth. Wow. Wow. (laughs) We reign with him as kings. Kings in this earth. Look at Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 to verse 6. Do you love your Bible? All these things are in the word of God. You see, I, I try to quote as many scriptures as possible so that you will, not, you will not be left with a doubt in your mind. I don't know how many scriptures I've mentioned since I started. I'm always, that's, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be sharing my experiences with you. No, I'm supposed to tell you the word of God. Yeah. He says, and from Jesus, let's read from verse 4, so that it makes more sense. Um, if you're saying end, then it means that there's something you, you started talking about. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the first born out of the dead and the prince, if he's the first, then it means that there was a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth were all born out of the dead. Well, the new birth, being born again means to be born from the dead. That's what it means. We're born out of the wombs of hell. <laughs> and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. He's a prince of the kings of the earth. Do you think he's talking about the kings that are around? Okay, he says, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us, Kola Diaba. Oh, how he loves us. Wow. Wow. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He's not going to wash it. He's washed our sins. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Next verse. And has made us kings. He washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings. And priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He made us kings. Brother, I'm a king. I'm a priest. So in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, he calls us royal priests. Let's look at it. 1 Peter 2 9. He says that, but ye a chosen generation. I'm not chosen. I'm not special. This one says it. Let's read the amplifier. I think the amplifier just hits the nail on the head. But you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood. That means king priests. You are kings and priests at the same time. We are kings and priests at the same time. He says that, but you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation. God's own purchased special, that's, that's it, right there. God's own purchased special people. We are God's own purchased special so you can't go around saying that, you know, all these things are not, these things are happening in my life. No, it's not because I'm special. You are special. 
Stop saying that. That's not what God said about you. God says you are special. He says you are God's own purchase, special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds, the wonderful acts, the wonderful doings, and display the virtues and perfections of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he says he has brought us to show forth, to showcase. Wow. wow. His wonderful deeds, his wonderful works, his virtues, his, his excellence, his glory, his perfections. That's what he has called us for. Unto him that loved us. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us. He's not going to make us. He has made us kings and priests. Unto himself and unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I reign. See, I reign. I reign together with him. See, I'm a king. Look at Revelation chapter 5. Verse 9 and verse 10. Kola hadalabai. I'm just showing, I'm, this is, it's called history. I'm showing you what has happened. I'm showing what God has done. These are facts. These are things that the devil knows. And he will fight you on every ground to make sure you don't get to know these things. When you find them, when you get to know them, he will fight you to forget about it. He will fight you to go back into the Old Testament and start talking to God like a pauper, singing unnecessary foolish songs. <laughs> Singing songs that will let you know how weak you are. And how, how, how not good you are. How terrible you are. And how great God is. And how you are nothing. God has elevated. I'm not, it's not blasphemy. God is the one who has chosen to elevate us to where he is. We didn't ask for it. Why could you have done I mean, You can't do that. He decided. He chose. To do this for his own, of his own will begat he us to be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, of his own will. Agree with what God has done for you. Be exalted. Do you see? Be exalted. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying that you are God. You are most high, so we should worship you. Remember, it's not only you; it's all of us. So, who should worship who? <laughs> Who should worship who? Yeah. There was this um, wonderful man of God called Father Divine who heard some of these things and saw that we are heirs together with Christ, that we are Christ. And if Christ is God, then we are God. He's God. And he personalized it for himself and started a church. And everybody in the church was worshiping him because he was God. How about those in the church? Are those things written only to him or to you? It's, not, it's for everybody, every child of God. So who should worship who? We have just one to worship. His name is God. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one to worship. He did these things. You can't do it. Try it and see. Find, find a location of hell. Do you know the location of hell? <laughs> you know how to go there. Do you know the location of heaven? There's someone who did all these things. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's, he's God. And he's the one we worship. He's the firstborn from the dead. So that in all things he might have the preeminence. Yeah, he's different. He's in another, he's in his own class. But he has put, he has brought us to his class. Mm. He did it. So don't get it twisted. Don't, don't start moving around saying that I'm God. You are not God. You are not God the Father. There's a person called God the Father. Who has elevated you to be in the same class with him? You know your place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, that's just to balance what I'm saying. Okay? Okay, so 
Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. It says, And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. There was someone who is worthy to take the book. His name is Jesus Christ. For thou art slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Keep your finger here. Go to Ephesians 1 7. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. In Christ, we have the forgiveness. He says, we have redemption through his blood. You remember the last time I spoke to you about redemption. In him, we have redemption. He's brought us back. He's elevated us to his own level through his own blood. And that's what he's saying over there in the other place, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Go back there. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou art slain and, and hast redeemed us to God. Who are those who are redeemed? It's us. It's the world. It's people, right? And has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God. Kings. So after the redemption, what he makes you after redemption is that he makes you a king. And he makes you a priest. And we shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth. He wants us to reign on the earth. It's key. He wants you to reign with him. Hallelujah. Wow, what a shock. What a shock. We reign. We reign with him. We've been sent to demonstrate his power, his glory, his grace, his virtues, his perfections. The perfections of God. Can you imagine? He says, he wants you and I. Some people say, well, I'm not perfect. I don't know what I'll do with myself. God says, you are the one to display his perfections. He says that by us, his wisdom, his manifold wisdom will be known to the principalities and powers. By you and I. That's written in Ephesians chapter 3. He says he wants his perfections, his wisdom to be known to the principalities and powers by us. Rather, we are special. We are not, we are not ordinary. Say I'm not ordinary. I'm not ordinary. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. So look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17. I'm showing you to you. Made us kings and priests. For if by one man's offense, who was that one man? Adam. If by Adam's offense, just one man's offense made everybody an, off- an offender. For if by one man's offense, death reigned and ruled by one. Death had the kingship and had the, the authority. And death was run and, ruled and owned by somebody called Satan. He had the power of death. If you read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse, verse 14. Yeah. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. He's talking about Jesus. He says, because we are partakers of flesh and blood, he also became flesh and blood. So that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. The devil had the power of death. But Jesus broke his power. Jesus took his power away from him. Hallelujah. He took his power away from him, and now he has the key of hell and death. If you read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, you see it there. He has, he has, he now, let's look at it. Revelation 1, 18. I am he that liveth, this is Jesus talking, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He beat that guy and took the keys away from him. Hallelujah. So the key of hell and death is with Jesus Christ now. And I reign together with him. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes when you think about the scriptures, you wonder, is this thing true? It is true. <laughs> it's always like, is this, is this true? It is true. It is true. 
That's what the gospel is for. It means too good to be true news. It is too good. It is too good. Like you wonder, is this thing true? It is true. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by the offense of one, death reigned. Death was reigning by that one man. Because of what that one man did. He says, how much more? If death reigned because of one man's offense, people are sinners, not because they did something wrong, but because someone did something wrong. That someone is called Adam. All were made sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. How did all sin? All sin because of one man's sin. Why? Because all of us were in that one man. We identified as as the the theology of identification. We identified with Adam. So all of Adam's wrong was humanity's wrong. So he says, if by one man's offense, if by one man's disobedience, death reigned, death ruled, death became a power, a king over the earth, how much more they which receive abundance of grace? How come they receive abundance of grace? Because of one man's obedience. So if you read in verse 19, he'll show you to go to verse 19, Romans chapter 5, verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. By, many, by one man's obedience, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. By one man's obedience, many are made righteous. We have, became, we have become the righteousness of God. So it says that for if by one man's offense, death reigned. How much more they which receive abundance of grace and of that gift of righteousness that has been made available through that one man called Jesus. Have you received that gift? If you are born again, you receive that gift. He says, how much more they which receive abundance of grace. The abundance of, abundance of grace. You, grace is in abundance. How does grace come to you? Through the knowledge of God. The more you get to know, the more grace is abounding to you. He says that how much more they which receive abundance of grace. The word received there is lambano to take with force. To go in for it. These things do not work passively. They work actively. You must actively participate in it in your heart. You must actively say, I believe what God has said. This is what God has said. I believe it. And nothing is going to change it. I'm seated together with him. I'm reigning with him. I'm ruling with him. The more you say that, the more you are receiving grace. You you receive grace through that means. How much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. It says they shall reign. Those who behave like that shall reign. Those who allow the knowledge of God's word to come to them shall reign in life by one. By one Jesus Christ. They shall reign in reality. They shall reign in reality. If you accept what God has done, like I'm telling you now, He says you shall reign. The more you get to know of it, the more you allow to seep into your heart, the more you reign. You realize that you are reigning. You are reigning over poverty, over sickness, over disease, over infirmity, over plagues, over every single thing that is a problem for man, over every single child of, the, of death, and over every single child of the devil. Yeah. How much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. That one is stable. The gift of righteousness is stable. It's for all of us. If you believe this for you. But the abundance of grace is something you must. You must lambano it for yourself. You must take it actively. You must receive it. You must take it for yourself. How much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign. They shall reign in life. They shall reign in this life. Not tomorrow. In this life. They shall reign as kings. That's what the Amplified says. Let's look at it in the Amplified. 
For if by one man's offense, trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign, this is what I want you to see, since they shall reign as kings through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, they shall reign as kings. We reign as kings. You know, the Greek, the Greek is to king in life. They shall king in life. They shall king over death. They shall king over plagues. They shall king over diseases. They shall king over poverty. They shall king over failure. They shall king over every single thing in this life. Are you a child of God? I'm telling you what God has done for you in Christ. Wow. We reign in this life as kings over devils. As kings over sicknesses, as kings over poverty, we are not talking about ruling somebody else. We are talking about ruling over these things that are plague for humanity. Yeah. Listen, you cannot buy peace from the shelves in any shop in the world. No amount of money can buy peace. You can. <laughs> it's amazing. These are things that plague humanity without anybody knowing what to do. But God, thank God for Jesus Christ. He showed us exactly what to do. He says it gives you ability to king, to reign over all these things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over devils, over demons, over falling angels, over principalities and powers. Because we are seated together with them. Therefore, we king. We king in life. See, I'm kinging. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. You see, God gave Jesus to be the head over all things. God gave Jesus to be the head over all things for the sake of the church, for the sake of his body. Listen to what I said. God gave Jesus Christ, okay, to be the head over all things for the sake of the church. It is for advantage. God made Jesus head over all things so that you can have advantage in life. That's what is written in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, 22, 23. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 22, 21 downwards. Far above all principality, you know the scripture, right? He says he displaced him, he lifted him from, raised him from the dead and set him far above our principality and power, that's Jesus, and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Then he says, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now, if you read it, if you read it like you don't, you don't, you do not really understand. He says, and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Have you seen it? So you may, you may not understand. He gave him to be head, the head over all things to the church. But if you read it in the ISV, okay, NIV says what? And God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Uh-huh. So this is, this is good. It's very good. It says he gave him, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So for the sake of the church, he made Jesus Christ the head over all things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that the church will have ability, will have the authority to do what it's supposed to do without any problems. And every single member in there, Christ has been made head for your sake. Head over what? I've showed you. Okay, NLT. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for their benefit. This hits the nail right on the head. For the benefit of the church. He's the head of all things. For the benefit of the church. Can you imagine? For your benefit. (laughs) 
Jesus has all authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me because of you, for your sake. I don't know if you are getting it. Like, I have access to all things. Everything is controlled by me for your sake so that you will have benefit in life. So that on the basis of my authority, you can do what you're supposed to do. You can reign and king in life. That is why Jesus exists. Hey, can you imagine? He was made head of all things because of you and I. Because of you and I. Because of you and I. So in verse 23, look at verse 23. NLT, let's go to verse 23. And the church is his body. He's a head of all things for the sake of the church. Which is his body? It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now, this one is still not... You, let's look at the message. The message is very nice. He says, the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is rather peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body, in which he speaks and in which he acts. By which, by the church, he fills everything with his presence. I don't know if you are getting this. I don't know if you are getting this. <laughs> so he is not going to act without the church. He is not going to speak without the church. When the church speaks, he has spoken. When the church acts, he has acted. That is why he says that. He had, we are royal priesthood, a chosen generation, and all of that. Then he says, for the purpose of demonstrating the deeds, the doings, the acts, the perfections, the virtues, the excellence of God. That is the purpose of the church. So he got all things. He's the head of all things for the sake of the church. And the church is the one to do what he wants done. <laughs> like I was saying the last time. Your head, you are where you are with your head and with your body. Your head cannot be there and your body somewhere else. Yeah. Whatever you do, whatever you do is done by the head through the body. Yeah. The head thinks it, the body does it. Yeah. If my head is not working well, if my brains are not working well, I can't lift my hand. Yeah. So when someone gets a stroke, there's a push. It's, not, it's actually not from the hand or the legs. It's from the brain. There's something that's gone off right here. Yeah. And it affects, when the head is not fine, it affects everybody. Yeah. So your head cannot act without your body. <laughs> And thank God our head is fine. He will forever, he forever lives. And he's forever excellent. And he says he's using the church. He uses the church to speak, to act, to do what he wants to done. To, oh, hallelujah. He's the head over all things because of the church. Let me show you Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Let's read from verse 15. Colossians 1 from verse 15. Wow. Kelorateneve. He says, he's talking about Jesus, okay? Let's read from 14, so we understand even some more. From 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins is similar to what is written in Ephesians 1, 7. Same verse, same scripture. Then he says, who is? Christ is the image of the invisible God. He's showing you who Jesus is. He says, he's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. Remember, he's the firstborn of the dead. And he's also the firstborn of every creature. Next verse. For by him were all things created. By him were all things created. That are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. 
Now, the principles and powers that have gone rogue, have gone rogue, they are absent without leave, they are messing up, they, they followed the devil, and they are rebellious. But the fact is that they were created by him, and for him. He owns all of them. <laughs> wow! Next verse. Jesus is special. Then he says, and he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. The other version that says, all things consist, persist, and exist. Wow. <laughs> by him, all things consist. All things have their putting together. If he says they should not exist anymore, they will not exist anymore. And there's a day coming where he will say they should not exist anymore. Wow. And they will all be gone. But until that day, he has beat them and he has given them to us to exercise authority over for the purpose of exercises. He's showing you how to exercise authority for practice. They are there for practice. The devils and demons are there for practice. Sickness, weakness, poverty and all that is for practice, for the purpose of our practice. Look at the next verse. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. So after seeing all this, he's showing you who your head is. Say my head is correct. <laughs> he's the head of all things. And he's the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. That is my head. That is my Jesus for you. And he's all this for my sake. He's all this for my benefit. How can I lose in life? How can I lose in life? I will never be poor in my life. I will never be sick in my life. There's no bed, there's no hospital bed in the world that can contain me. No hospital bed can contain me. I will never be sick in my life. I will never be sick in my life. Coronavirus or whatever virus that exists in the world will never have anything to do with me. I'm a child of God and I'm seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I reign over sicknesses. I reign over diseases. I reign over plagues. I reign over every deadly thing that can ever be released. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. It says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents upon scorpions. I give you power against the power. Luke 10 19. Let's read it. Luke 10 19. Oh, Kilo Rade, Falogoshe. Luke 10 19. Behold, I give unto you power. I give unto you power. This is Jesus talking to disciples, the 70. He says, Behold, I give unto you power. I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over, you see, serpents and scorpions are symbols, satanic symbols. They are symbols of the devil. They are powers of the devil. Demons and devils. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means... Nothing shall by any means, nothing shall by any means hurt you. It can hurt others, not you. Nothing shall by any means. They were created for him and, and they exist for him. He says nothing from them. Remember, we've been taken away from the authority of the devil and brought into the power, into the place of Christ, into the kingdom of his dear son. There's nothing they can do. There's nothing they will think of. There's nothing they can try that can work on you. This is nothing. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Any means. Wow. wow. What, a what a life. What a life. Hallelujah. We share his authority. Because we are his body. Do you agree that you are the body of Christ? Where he's seated, you are seated. Where he's been exhorted to, you've been exhorted to. He's reigning and we are reigning with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For our sakes. He owns all things for our sakes. For our benefit. 
for our benefit, for my benefit, for your benefit. Wow. What a blessing. Think on these things, you know. Think on these things. The more you think on them, the more you have revelation into them. The more you understand them. And the more God shows you his glory. He shows you his beauty. He shows you all that you can do and all that you can be. You see, if you get a phone and you don't, if you get any machine, not just a phone, you see a manual coming with it. Every single thing that particular machine can do is written in the manual. Don't be, don't be the guy who is not into reading the manual. Read the manual. Our life came with the manual. That's the word of God. The more you read it, the more you get to know the functions. You see, the problem is not with the machine. The problem is with not knowing the functions of the machine. What God has made is complete. The new creation is complete. It's perfect. There's everything that you need for, he needs for life and God has been given to him. The, the, the problem is with the reader of the manual. You are not reading the manual. You are perfect and complete. Start reading the manual. Start getting to know what you can do. You may have a phone and all you do is make a call and send a text and watch videos. But you could hack someone something with it. People are hacking things with laptops and all kinds of things. I saw a video recently uh, for, of some of these uh, um, charging ports that you have in various um, airports in the world. You plug in your, your phone to charge your, your, your phone and someone somewhere just hacks your phone. That's it. You can get access to your, your, your email, your, your passwords, your everything. I mean, everything you do on your phone, you'll see it. If you make a call, you'll see it. He has gadgets that we have. My laptop, I just put it on, type web messages and then, <laughs> and then close it. I don't know what to do with it. Do you see? Same thing. You could have a Christian who, who has no clue. He has it, but he has no clue concerning what he has, what he is, can be, and what he can do. God is showing it to you. God is showing it to you in his word. Right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. So Jesus is expecting us because you see, he, he's, he's giving us authority. He has the authority. We are sharing his authority. He's made us kings in the earth. He's expecting us to use his authority here on earth. There are things he will not do because you are here. There are things he cannot do because you are the body. The head does not do some things. The, there are things the head does. But the head, as far as the body is concerned, the head is at rest with a lot of things. If the head wants to carry something, it's not going to use its, its head to go and carry it. It's to use the body. You use the hand. If this one is not good enough, you add this one to it and carry the thing. So the head is at rest as far as the hands are concerned. And as far as the body is concerned, the head is at rest. So there are things that Jesus has done and he's seated. He's now the head waiting for you and I to do what we are supposed to do. Because he's giving instructions concerning what we should do. So he will not do it. Please, you understand. He is not going to do it. The devil, he's not going to run the devil out of your life. If you won't do it, be there. Yeah. He's, he's interested. He's expecting you. Jesus is ex it's an expectation from the Spirit. It's an expectation from Jesus Christ that you will dominate. You will lead. You will, you will king over problems, challenges in this life. It's an expectation from him. Yeah, because as far as he's concerned, he's done everything he's supposed to do. And he's expecting you to king over poverty, to king over demons, to king over sicknesses and diseases. No weakness. Yeah, no more weakness. Don't, don't just move around like you are nothing, you are something. 
He has great expectation. Let me show it to you. First Corinthians chapter 15. He has greatest. Jesus is expecting us to use his authority in the earth, putting his enemies under his foot, under his footstool. That's what Jesus is expecting. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. These are, these are very important things that you need to know. Wow. First Corinthians 15, 22. Do you love the word? Yeah. It says, For as in Adam all die. As in Adam all die. Because what Adam did. Every, all of humanity were, were, were put to death. Death reigned, remember. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And all were made alive. The day Jesus came out of the grave, remember, he says he made us alive together with him. All of us were made alive together with him. Next verse. Verse, verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after all they that are Christ at his coming, so he's talking, this particular one is with respect to the resurrection. Do you see? Next time we'll talk about it. We'll talk about some another time. Next verse, verse, verse 24. This then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up. This is after the resurrection of all of Christians all around the world. This is then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. Even the Father, that's Jesus who deliver up the kingdom. Which kingdom? The kingdom of heaven. The very first message I spoke about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Jesus is preaching the kingdom of heaven. After all is said and done, he will give the kingdom of heaven, put him, put the kingdom of heaven under God. That's what he's talking about. This is then come at the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. But now he has all rule and all authority and all power. There's a day coming when he shall put everything under God the Father. But right now he's the one running things. God the Father is resting. Jesus Christ is running things. This he shall have, even the Father when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. Next verse, verse twenty-five. Why is he yet to put all things under the Father? He says, for he must reign. For Jesus must reign till he has put all his all enemies under. Oh, Tinegele. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. He must reign. He must have the rule until he has put all enemies under his feet. Next verse, verse 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. That is physical death. You see, he's destroyed spiritual death, remember. Physical death is yet to be taken away. And eternal death. Next verse. For he has put all things under his feet, but when he said all things are under, his, under, under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. That is God. God is accepted, which did put all things under him. Now, what is he saying? Go back, go back to verse 20, 27. Go back, let's go to 26. For he must reign. Go up. For he must reign. Say he must reign. He must reign. Jesus must reign. Jesus must now, how does he reign? Through us. He says, For he must reign. So he has put all enemies under his feet. All enemies. He must reign. So he has put all enemies under his feet. All his enemies. Now, has he. Conquered his enemies. Emphatically, yes. All principalities and powers. He disarmed the devil. You remember? So he's conquered his enemies. Now, conquering the enemy and putting the enemy under your foot are two different things altogether. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, let me show it to you. Hebrews 10, 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So he's sitting down because he has conquered. Next verse. After he has conquered, he's expecting from henceforth, expecting to his enemies be made his footstool. He's expecting, this is his expectation, that all his enemies will be made his footstool. Hebrews chapter 1. 
Verse 13. Hebrews 1, 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So God, God is expecting for Jesus' enemies, for his enemies to be made the footstool of Jesus Christ. Now, what, what is he talking about? What is the footstool? The footstool is, <laughs> is a stool for the foot. <laughs> Do you understand? The footstool is a, a stool for the foot. To put your foot on the neck of your enemy is to have your enemy as your footstool. So, in, uh, uh, let, me, let me explain this. Footstool, according to the scriptures in, in the Greek, is to subject, to reduce under one's power. Okay? To subject and to reduce under one's power. That is the act of conquerors placing their feet on the neck of their conquered enemies. So, the enemy is conquered. That's one thing. Putting your leg on his neck is another thing. So in Joshua, a typical example is written in Joshua. Joshua chapter, chapter 10, verse 22 to verse 26. You will love this. this. This is key. Then said Joshua, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. And they did so and brought forth those kings unto him out of the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. He had conquered them. He had beaten all of them. Okay, go up. Probably you should see where he beat them. He beat, he beat everybody. Go, go to, we started from 22, right? Let's read from verse 20. And it came to pass, when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they were consumed, that the rest which remained of them entered into fen cities. Verse 21. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Mekada in peace. None moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. They had conquered them and they were leading them. I don't know if you get it. Yeah, yeah. Next verse. Then said Joshua, open them up. Because the kings, the five kings had gone to hide in the cave. They had been conquered. All their, their arms had been taken away. Everything had been there. And they just ran away into some cave. He says, bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. They want to bring them without any fight. I mean, they conquered them. Their generals had been killed. Everybody had been killed. Next verse. And they did so and brought those, fought those five kings unto him out of the cave. The kings of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. Verse 24. And it came to pass, when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the captains of the men of war, which went with him, come near. Put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. This is making your enemy your footstool. Even though they have been conquered, they were not yet under their feet. They put them under their feet. Next verse. Hmm. Verse 25. And Jesus said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For that shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. So whatever enemy you will fight, whether it's sickness, disease, infirmity, makes no difference. This is how it will be for them. You will put your feet on their neck. Wow! So what is Jesus expecting? Jesus' expectation is that when sickness faces you, what will you do? Because of the knowledge you have concerning the fact that sickness has been defeated, sickness has been conquered, and that you are more than a conqueror, you put him under your foot. You put him under your foot. You put sickness under your foot. And you put the neck of sickness under your foot. So he's waiting till you do something about the problems that are around you. Stop praying unnecessary prayers. God, what are you going to do about the sickness? Singing all kinds of songs. I am weak, but thou art mighty. 
hold me. I, is that what he says? Did he say you are weak? Did he say you are weak? Don't come and beat me. I'm just saying the truth. He says, be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. Instead of declaring your weakness, declare your strength. He says, let the one who is weak say. If you are feeling weak, don't say you are weak. Say you are strong. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. So he's expecting. Jesus is expecting for you to do something about all the enemies that he has that are around you. Put your foot and on their neck. Make his enemies your footstool. Who is the foot? Who are the fo- we, the body of Christ? The, the foot is in the body. He's expecting the body to be active. Put them under your feet. Hmm. Deal with things. He's expecting you to deal with things by using your authority. Wow. He's not going to do anything about it. He wants you to do something about it. Something happened to uh, Reverend Ken Hagen of Blessed Memory. I love Ken Hagen a lot. Most of what I'm preaching is from him, actually. And he had a vision. You can read this book, I Believe in Visions. You see this particular vision in there. And he had a vision and saw Jesus Christ. Jesus came to him in a vision, clear, open vision. And Jesus was talking to him about authority. Our authority in Christ. You know, he said he started asking himself questions. The Holy Spirit prompted him to start asking himself questions. Do we have authority that we don't know about? Do we have authority that we have not used? So he started searching the scriptures. And as he was searching the scriptures, Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus started talking to him about our dominion in Christ, our authority in Christ. <laughs> and as he was talking and sharing with him, teaching him the scriptures, all of a sudden, a demon that looked like a monkey or an, or an elf all of a sudden appeared between him and Jesus and started dancing and shouting, yikiti, yikiti, yak, yikiti, yikiti, yak, just sh- jumping all over the place. And as he was jumping, he was producing a smoke that covered, you know, the space between him and Jesus. So he couldn't see Jesus clearly and he couldn't hear him. And Jesus didn't stop talking. He was still talking. Still giving the instructions. Still talking. Still giving instructions. So he was surprised that Jesus was not doing anything about the devil. He was shocked. How come he's not doing anything? Can't he tell that I'm not hearing him? Jesus, do something about this. That's what he was saying in his mind. Trying to, you know, straining to hear what Jesus was saying. Then all of a sudden, he got angry and said to the devil, Stop your maneuvers right now in Jesus' name. He said, as soon as he said that, the demon was taken up by a force and hit back down on the ground like a bag of salt. Boom, like that. And the demon was whimpering down there, shaking, and all the smoke went away and he started hearing Jesus again. But then the demon was, was making noise like in fear. He was just making noise. Then he said, in fact, don't just stop what you are doing. Get out of this place right now in Jesus' name. And the demon fled with speed and left. So when, 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 he, when the demon left, he was thinking, like, how come, Jesus, how come you didn't do, you know, Jesus always knows our thoughts. So he just, Jesus spoke back to him. That, oh, you are, I know you are thinking and asking yourself why I didn't do anything about the demon. I couldn't have done anything about him. Kenegan said, he paused and said, ah, I didn't hear you right. You said you wouldn't, isn't it? You said you wouldn't do anything about him. He said, no. Jesus said, no. I couldn't have done anything about him. He asked him four times. 
You, you said you, I'm not hearing you. Did you say you wouldn't or you said you couldn't? Jesus said, I couldn't. Do you understand couldn't? Could, could, couldn't. <laughs> he said he couldn't. He couldn't do. Can he was surprised? What do you mean by he couldn't? Then Jesus said, what I'm telling you now. He told him that I've done what I'm supposed to do about demons and devils. If you see them around you, you are the one who is supposed to do something about the devils. I am not the one to do anything about the devils. There's nothing in the New Testament that says that I am the one. I, Jesus, am the one to do something about devils, about sickness, about weakness, and all of that. You are the one supposed to do something about it. Wow. wow. Then Canadian said, listen, I know you are Jesus. You have showed yourself to me. But I'm a stickler to the word. It's either you show me these things in the Bible, or I'm not going to believe it. Jesus said, it's in the New, it's the New Testament. He told him, it's in the New Testament. You know, Jesus is so wonderful. You can ask him questions, and he will not get angry with you. <laughs> Read your Bible in Acts chapter 9. When Ananias, Jesus appeared to Ananias and shared with him concerning Paul how that he had converted Paul. He wanted him to go and lay hands on him for him to see. Ananias said, Jesus, you're not here. You're not here there. I've heard about this guy. I've heard of many. How, how many things he's doing to plenty people. I don't want any problems. He's here to actually catch so many Christians. Jesus said, I know. But I've chosen him for myself. Go. Jesus didn't say, hey, you, I'm talking to you and I'm talking back. You are in trouble. I'll make you blind and make you deaf. No, Jesus is not like that. You can ask him questions and he will respond. If there's a spirit that is, you, you say is the Holy Spirit, you, you ask questions and it's not, he's not money and threatening you. He's not the Holy Spirit. It's something else. Hallelujah. So Jesus told him, I couldn't have done anything about it. And I'm going to show you in the New Testament. Kenneth Higgins said, Papa Higgins said that, I've read the New Testament 150 times. And read many of the books several times, and I've never seen anything like that. And Jesus said, I'll, So he asked Jesus for three scriptures in the script in the Bible because you know it's written that in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall a matter be settled. Jesus said that I'll not show you three scriptures, I'll show you four scriptures in the New Testament. So he showed him the scriptures. Let me show it to you before I close. So scriptures to show you that you are the one to do something about devils, not Jesus. Jesus expecting is an expectation from Jesus, he had an expectation from you. To do something about principalities and powers. In Matthew 28 verse 18. What is written there? Jesus said all authority. All power. All authority in heaven and on earth. Is given unto me. I have it. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. On the basis of this go. That's the first thing. He has all authority. He says you go now. And go and use my authority. The first scripture he showed him was in Mark chapter 16 verse 15. Mark 16 15. Wow. Wow. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because I have authority, isn't it? Next verse. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. The first sign is that in my name, they shall cast out devils. Not Jesus. They, those who believe in my name, shall cast out devils. They shall cast out devils in my name. He didn't say, I shall cast devils in my name. He says, they shall cast out devils in my name. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick. Next verse, verse 18. They, we are the hands of Jesus. He says, they shall take up serpents. That is the power of the devil, right? He's not talking about going to look for serpents and then picking the serpents. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about picking up demonic powers, demonic things. You can pick it up. Nothing will happen to you. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. 
they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Every single thing is with respect to the to believers. Since they shall do it in my name. They shall cast out devils. Not I shall cast out devils. So stop waiting on Jesus Christ. Stop waiting on God. Cast out that devil. Don't wait on him. As you're waiting on him, he's also waiting on you. As you're expecting him to do something, he's also expecting him to do something. Why won't my son do something? You are saying, well, Jesus, why won't you do anything? Stop praying those prayers. Jesus, do something about this situation. This situation is not changing. I've been praying to you about it. That's why you've been praying and it's not changing. He's expecting you to address that situation in the name of Jesus. On Sunday, I'll show you how to deal. How to, how to deal with the devil. How to use your authority in the name of Jesus. Wow. They shall take up serpents. They shall cast out devil. In my name, they shall cast out devil. I hope you, I don't know if you are seeing it. Yeah. Hmm. Then the second scripture was James 4, 7. Jesus is showing him scriptures to show that it's not my responsibility. It is your responsibility. I'm expecting you to make my enemies my footstool. Put them under my feet because you are my feet. You are my legs. Look at this. James 4, 7. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Then he says, you resist the devil. He didn't say God resists the devil. He says resist. This is with you in mind. Go, go up, go to verse, go to verse six. I don't know, maybe someone will argue with me. But he gave more grace, wherefore, more grace, wherefore he said, God resisted the proud, but gave grace unto the humble. Then he says, submit yourselves. Have you seen yourselves? Uh-huh. So it, it, is, it is with you in mind. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. You resist the devil. You resist the devil. Message, message version. I don't know if you're excited this, this night. I don't know if you're excited tonight. I mean, this evening, you can just point your finger somewhere and just command the devil to get out, and you get out. Hallelujah. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Yell, you yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. You yelled a loud no to the devil. You know, the word flee there is to run away in terror. To run and fly away in terror. The devil is afraid of you. The devil is afraid of you. <laughs> he is. If you don't put your authority to work, he will always be hanging around you. Talking to you in a certain way. Making you feel bad. Putting sickness on you. Putting disease on you. Putting plagues around you. Killing things around you. And you'll be there. He's just working and moving up and down. Because you have not learned to yell a loud no to the devil. If you say no to him, he will leave. If you cast him out in Jesus' name, he will leave. That's the power God has given to us. Wow. Wow. You flee in terror. Flee in terror. The third scripture he gave to him is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Hmm. So Jesus was showing him this. He was surprised. Like, wow. I'm sure he was also surprised. 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be sober. Be vigilant. Because you are the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Many people stop here. Many people stop in verse 8. And then they start talking. The devil is after me. The devil is running after me. The devil is chasing me. People make fun of these things. Brother, it is not, it's not a joke. This is, serious, this is serious business. Never say such things that the devil is after you. Haven't you read your Bible? Jesus said, I'll build my church. And the gates, gates are in reference to authority. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The authority of the devil shall not prevail against it. Are you part of the church? If you are the church, then it says you are to be on the advance. Not the other way around. Why do you keep saying that the devil is chasing you? The devil has put the sickness on me. God, why don't you? He's not going to, God is not going to take anything he has not put there. It is not for him. 
The sickness is not for him. The disease is not for him. The infirmity is not. The poverty is not for him. So what is his business taking it? If you won't put it out, be there. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he's not even a lion. As he's pretending to be a lion. Our king is a is a, is a lion of the tribe of Judah, and we are in him. We are lions. We are the ones who roar. When you roar against him, he will run away. <laughs> as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Next verse. It says, whom you resist steadfast in the faith. Now, the word the faith, it's not, it's not talking about the faith. It's talking about your faith. Whom resist thou steadfast in your faith. Other version says your faith. ASV says, says it. Resist him steadfast in your faith. Steadfast in your faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your, in your brethren that are in the world. You resist him steadfast. Do you have BBE? Okay. Do not give way to him. But be strong in your faith. Be strong in your There's a place where faith comes in. Your faith comes in. I'll talk about it. Resist him. You resist him. It didn't say, and ye pray that the Lord. Go back to the King James. Let me read it well for them. They didn't see it. Whom pray to the Lord. Let's read from verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because you are the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Next verse, verse 9. Whom pray to the Lord that he will do something about him for you? Is that what he says? Whom cry to the Lord that he will talk to him for you? Whom negotiate with to leave you for some time so that you can be free? Is that what the Bible said? Whom resist steadfast? You resist him steadfastly in your faith. In your faith. In your faith. So Jesus is not going to do something about him. You, when it comes to the devil, forget it. You are the one in charge. See, I'm in charge. Yeah. We are kings in the earth. Though. Yeah. We must rule in the earth. The, the, you see, the devil is called the prince of the power of the air. That's the truth. But we are in this world, but we are not of this world. His power is over those who are in this world, not over us. Yeah. We are not of this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We have a higher authority over him. We are superior over him. It's just like uh, uh, the American ambassador to your country, wherever you are find, wherever you find yourself now. Okay, the American ambassador to your country and all those he works with are not under the law of the country. Whatever they do in there, in that country, they'll they'll be punished by the laws of their country. It's the laws of their country that functions on them. Wherever they find themselves is actually the land they have, the land they bought in your country. It's not for your country anymore. It's for U.S. Can you imagine? That is, that is, that, that's how it is. Wherever they occupy, okay, is the land of the country from which they come from. And we are ambassadors of Christ in the earth. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. That's what the Bible says. So you are different. The authority of the devil does not cover you. This, uh, uh, whatever, uh, um, lockdown and all that, does not affect them. If their country says no lockdown, no lockdown for them. Yeah. It doesn't affect them. Whatever your president says does not affect them. No. If there's war in your country, they are not part of... You can kill yourselves. They are not part. That's the truth. They are not part. And normally when it happens, they are just picked out quickly back to their country. Brother, we are different though. <laughs> we are not the same. Some people say we are all brothers. We are not all brothers. How can you say we are all brothers with Muslims and everything? We are not brothers. No, our Muslim brothers. Stop saying those things. We are not brothers. We are on a different level altogether. So let them know that we are not the same. 
That's why they can start thinking. Why do you, because you've been saying, I'm Muslim brothers and I'm Hindu brothers. We are not brothers. Stop talking like that. The last scripture he gave to him, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, he says, Neither give place to the devil. Neither give. Let's read from verse 26 so I understand it. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So he's talking about you. Then he says, Neither you give place to the devil. You don't 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 give place to them. So we have authority. And we are the ones who have been called by God to king in this life. And we are to do something in the name of Jesus. On Sunday, I'll show you, Sunday morning, I'll show you how to put that authority that God has given to you to work. I don't know if you're interested. What to do, what to say, to put that power to work in your life. In the life of every single circumstance around you. In Jesus' name. Amen. He's waiting for you to put his enemies under his footstool. Lift up your voice wherever you are. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank God for what he has shared with you. Thank him for what the knowledge of God that he has brought to you right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank him. Thank him. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.